0: Life Radio, where we aim to live independently for excellence with your host, Victoriously Speaking, also known as Nicole Benton, Licensed Professional Counselor. Do you sometimes feel that nobody understands what you are going through and that others do not share your personal struggles? You may be surprised. Today, you will listen and learn from the stories and our testimonies on the program. Now, here is your host, Victoriously Speaking.
1: Welcome back to Life Radio with your host, Nicole, a.k.a. Victorious. And Victoriously Speaking, we are here for part two of Survival of the Fittest. Hopefully, you were able to gain some insight from last week's episode. Today, we are focusing on youth who ran away and ended up in the sex industry. I have a guest that wants to remain anonymous. Miss Anonymous, are you there? Yes, ma'am. I am. Great. Great to have you. First, I want to thank you for um coming on to Life Radio and sharing your story. I think um that a lot of people will be able to learn from your experience and um I just, you know, thank you. Thank you very much. No problem. Cool. So, as you know, this episode um is a part of a three-part series um called survival of the fittest which is sex for survival and today we want to talk about a runaway survival so i'm familiar with you enough to know that you had some experience in this so tell me and tell everybody about your experiences and what you believe is the reason behind your past decision to run away when you were a teenager and and how old are you now i'm 26 now 26 okay so tell us your story tell us your story
2: Okay, well, I ran away when I was about 14 years old. I ran away with my two older sisters. Um, we didn't have a very great mom growing up. We had a mom who always had a lot of men around us. Um, she never really paid too much attention to us. She didn't do the motherly duty that usually a mother would do, which was the main reason why we ran away. Um, we really wanted to be just, as far further possible away from our mother as possible. So we lived in Virginia at the time and we ran away all the way to Atlanta, Georgia. Wow. Um, But how did you get to Atlanta? uh, We got on a Greyhound bus at the time. One of my older sisters, she was actually 18 So Mm -hmm. she was able to get all three of our bus tickets. So she got our bus tickets and we took an 18 hour bus ride all the way to Atlanta. We didn't know anyone. We didn't even know where we were going to live at. We just wanted to get away. Okay.
1: Okay. All right. So, so go ahead. Tell me a little bit more. Um,
2: so yeah, we ran away. Well, I'm just going to basically go on my story. I ran away with my sisters. I was 14 years old. Um, The beginning was not really hard on me. It was mainly hard on my sisters because they were the ones who had to take care of me. But about six months into our runaway, my sisters wind up going to jail and then I was out there all by myself. Between the time that they went to jail and I was uh, with them, I saw how they were, you know, using their bodies for money, making a way for us to eat, using their bodies so we could have a place to sleep, place to get around, um, basically just to take care of. They sold their bodies basically to take care of me, their little sister, and themselves, of course. So when they got locked up and... I really didn't have any other option or revenues to go to, so I went to what I knew, what I saw my mom do, which was sex with multiple men, what I saw my sisters do, which was sex for money. So I started off slowly with just um, big producers of Atlanta. Mind you, I was all of probably 15 at this point in time. I started off with a lot of big producers and rappers of Atlanta and started my way up from there. Um, I had some great nights where I could probably make five, $800 off of one person. And I've had some very low nights where I literally had to do whatever I had to do to get any money and was probably getting $30, $40 from out of a guy. Um, but, uh, I'm sorry. I got caught off. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, but yes. Basically, no, that's I just didn't
1: okay. Run- I'm sorry, Mr. Cole. No, that's okay. I think uh, your phone keeps going in and out. So I'm not sure. Are you moving or what's going on? Oh, no, I'm sorry. I was kind of moving around, but now I'm still. (laughs) I'm sorry. Uh, Okay, because, yeah, it was some parts that didn't really come through. Um, But I want to ask you a little bit, like, when you say that your mother was not doing things that a mother should do, what, what can you give us some examples of that?
2: Uh, basically just love her children. Uh, my mom was a money-hungry type of person, but she was only money-hungry for her own pockets. So me and my eight brothers and sisters, we starved. My older brother and sisters, they stole from the stores to feed us. Um, We basically begged on corners for food when we had a mother who brung in at least $2,000, $3,000 a month. Um, I can't even tell you now to this day how many times my mother has said she's loved me, how many birthday parties I've had. She just didn't give us that motherly love that children are supposed to have to be able to mold ourselves into uh, grown adults. So besides the love and actually taking care of us,
1: she just put every man before us. Okay, every man. Oh, wow. Okay. And did you have other family that tried to help or they were just standoffish?
2: They were pretty much standoffish to it because my mom had a negative relationship with my family. So she had a negative relationship with our family, and then she also had eight kids. So you couldn't really help one without helping all, and the family couldn't help all because they had either five or six or ten kids themselves. So they couldn't really help, you know, that much, and they didn't really even try to help because of the simple fact is they had so much turmoil with my mother.
1: Yeah, gotcha. so it was relation like the family was pretty much divided. And it it just really caused a lot of it sound like confusion and things and just wanting to, like you said, wanting to be loved. And so it kind of goes into my next question, because, you know, society likes to dictate what's acceptable and judges people, you know, based off their personal beliefs. But what are your beliefs about, you know, women, especially young ladies that like was in your situation that end up in sex uh, in the sex business, you know, for survival? My beliefs on it, I don't really agree
2: or disagree when it comes down to having to sell your sex for money to be able to survive. Mm-hmm. I agree to it because without it, we would be hungry, homeless, cold, sleepy, nowhere to go to sleep, nowhere to cook a meal. So it's a it's a win-lose kind of situation. And then I don't agree with it because you're degrading yourself. You're degrading your body. You're destroying your mind. It's a more downfall to it than the up of the money. So my all around belief in it is even though I've done it, I wouldn't advise anyone to do it. I believe okay. that. It should be something that no woman has, should have to go through, period, in life, no matter how old they are, no matter how broke they are, no matter what happens in life. I feel like no woman should do it, but if you have to do it, by mm-hmm. all means, do what you have to do.
1: Okay, so that kind of goes to my next question as far as um, believing that sex for survival is wrong. You kind of already said it, but, I mean, um, why would you think that it's right? Uh now, using the word right or wrong, okay, would kind
2: of contradict what I'm what I want to say. Okay. So, uh, see, let me see here. How I want to word this? Again, the only reason why I would say that it would be right is just for the survival factor. Now, most mm-hmm. women, when they get into it, they actually make it a lifestyle, something they love to do. They think it's their occupation. So. Um, I don't how I'm trying to think about how I'm trying to say this um, I don't really think it's a right or a wrong to it I mm-hmm. think it's just you have to do what you have to do in life but would I lean more to the wrong side yes
3: because it's something right.
2: just absolutely degrading no woman should have to deal with someone they don't know mm-hmm. being on top of them
1: right yeah, yeah you're right so what what kind of mindset do you think you have to have to survive through what you experience?
2: Well, you definitely have to have a survival mindset. You definitely mm-hmm. have to have a driven, strong mindset. You can't be weak in that kind of lifestyle. You can't because any and everything will make you break down and cry. So you mm-hmm. have to be very strong minded to do that kind of lifestyle. Um, I don't want to cuss, but you have to have really the ethic mindset to be able to get through that kind of lifestyle.
1: Right, right. And I hear that a lot. You know, in my career, I've had a lot of clients that did a lot of things that, you know, they call for survival. And it's like, well, I just didn't care. You know, I was just like, f everything. And it's like, that's what, you know, what I hear a lot. But I'm just wondering, like, how were you... So, obviously, because I know that you're working and, you you know, you're taking care of, your, you know, your life now, um, but how did that affect you? Um, I would say
2: that it still has affected me somewhat to this day mm-hmm. because I have this huge wall up with men. I'm a lesbian now to this day, but that's the lifestyle that I had as a kid didn't really affect that. I always liked women. but. Okay. Still to this day, I have no male friends. I don't trust Mm -hmm. no male around me or around my child because I've seen some men all different kind of ages doing this lifestyle. Their sons into this lifestyle just to lose their virginity. I've seen college lawyers, doctors, down to thugs and rappers. I've seen all kind of men, all kind, uh, you know, all across the spectrum that, pays for sexual pleasures from women and they don't care what age they are. They have weird fetishes that come with it. So Mm -hmm. being in that lifestyle and now the way that I look at all men in general, which it is kind of wrong because you can't really put everybody in one category, Mm -hmm. but just from dealing with what I dealt with, I have zero male friends, zero male associates. I can barely even have a conversation with a man for more than five minutes without my skin crawling. If oh, wow. a man touches me the wrong way, I jump. Mm-hmm. I don't even like people holding me down. If a man was to hold me down, I probably would lose my mind and hyperventilate and go into shock.
1: Oh, wow. And so that's, that's it's pretty understandable. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And that's because that's, it's, it's trauma. You know, that's really a part of the... Yeah. Uh, PTSD Um, and people don't look at that as PTSD but it is we always try to think it's just veterans but there are experiences in life that people go through and that's a lot of why I'm doing this show and so we're counting down we got one minute what would your advice be to others who are thinking about running away from home Um, I would advise you don't do so
2: even though I was a 14 year old runaway and still to this day I have not gone back home to my mother or my father um, I would advise young women my age to not do so. If anything, try to go with a family member that's closer to you or contact social services or a, the nearest mentor that you know, somebody who's close to you, to try to talk it out instead of going ahead and running away and doing so. Because like you said, it is a traumatized um, a a very traumatizing situation that you have to go through. And I wouldn't want this on anyone's daughter at all whatsoever, no matter the age. So I would definitely advise that if any young woman does feel as if they want to run away from home to just seek help before doing so, because it's a life out there that is just destructive. Once you get into it alone and once you get into it, it's very hard to pull yourself out of.
1: Wow. Okay. Well, thank you, Miss Anonymous. And we're getting ready to take a break uh, to get ready for the story of the day. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And much love. And I wish you nothing but success in the future. Thank you so much. All right. Yeah, have a good one.
4: It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com.
0: Reconciliation Movement is a non-profit 501c3 charitable organization. It helps youth and families with education and community resources, promoting self-awareness, mental health, and drug and alcohol recovery. Reconciliation needs help with providing these resources for youth and families. Reconciliation accepts and is in need of donations and professional services to no- and low-income families to prepare them for independence through health and education. Visit the Movement.org victoriously speaking has over 20 years of experience in human services she is a licensed professional counselor a motivational speaker writer performer and community advocate book victoriously speaking for your next event or take advantage of the workshop she has to offer victoriously speaking is all about teaching life and learning to live independently for excellence free from fear anger and our doubt for more information on these programs or to book Victoriously Speaking call 404-969 Five six six one. That's 404-969-5661. Hearts
5: to Nourish Hope has been a leader in Clayton County for over 22 years. As a nonprofit, our goal is to expand and continue to be a one-stop community resource center that equips youth with the tools they need to achieve their goals. From our education and career training programs to our youth-operated food pantry, all of Hearts programs are designed to empower participants to improve the lives of their families and the community. Would you like to volunteer or need more information on how to participate? Please visit hope.org.
4: Build your better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. Today it's Succeed.
3: Everywhere I
0: go, me. You are listening to Life Radio. To reach our show today, call in to 1 888 346 9141. That's 1 888 346 9141. You may also send an email to info at the reconciliation movement.org. Now, back to Life Radio. Here again is Victoriously Speaking.
1: Welcome back. Welcome back. It's your girl, Victoriously Speaking. This is Survival of the Fittest Part 2. I hope that you gained some insight into why some youth um, run away. One of the things, or a couple of things that I found out during the interview that wasn't shared is that when her uh, Miss Anonymous sisters went to jail it was because they had stole something out of the store. Um, I guess it was trying to get some food or something. So that's how that happened. And also during the story, she mentioned something about not going back home to her mother or father. And she really didn't talk about that in in the story that much as far as her father. So I also found out that Her father did not believe that she was his child when she was growing up. So he wasn't around. There was no real relationship. But just this year, um, they actually confirmed through a blood test that he is indeed the father. So um, I'm glad that now they are starting to have a relationship. So this is the part of the show where I like to do the story of the day. I did not do a skit. But I am going to tell a story, and then we're going to talk about both our interview with Miss Anonymous and the story during the next segment, which is what I like to call the breakdown, and I hope that you guys call in during that time. So, this is the story of why the boy ran away. There once was a young boy named Jody. He was a happy-go-lucky six-year-old young man. One day, his mother introduced a man named Ben. And Ben was very nice. He would take him to the park and watch him when his mother had to work. As time went on, Ben eventually moved in. Jody was happy. He felt like he had a father. As a matter of fact, he started to call Ben Dad. Well, not too long after Ben moved in, he started asking Jody to touch him when his mother was not around. Now, Jody was confused, but mm, this is his newfound dad, and he was a hero to him because he gave him the attention that he so desperately wanted. So he went along with Ben's request. A few months went by, and... It got to the point where Ben was also touching Jody and then Jody was 7 and Ben did the unspeakable. Ooh. Now, Jody was very confused. And this went on until Jody was around hmm, 10, 10 years old. Jody even started getting approached and groped by other men in the community. Even at church. Now, Jody didn't understand what was going on, but by this time, he felt that it was normal. And by the time beca- that Jody became a teenager, he started running away. He never told anyone why he was running away, but he realized when he became a teenager that, you know, the things that were going on with him and Ben was not right especially since Ben was his father figure. But he was scared to tell his mother, and he didn't want to tell anyone else either. So he got in trouble in school, and every time the police brought him back home, he was taken back, and he eventually dropped out of school when he was 16. And at that time, he ran away for good. He met another man, um... In another city. And this was a man named Booker. And Booker. He took in a lot of runaways. And he taught all of the runaways. How to take care of themselves in the streets. Now. This eventually led to prostitution. Drug use. And sometimes violence. Time went on. And around 27 years old. Jody was addicted to crack cocaine and he was on his own and still prostituting. And then he caught HIV. He ended up in a homeless program where he met with a counselor and told the counselor that he was tired of people hurting him. He told the counselor that, you know, all about his story when he was growing up and what happened to him and that he told his mother when, He turned 21 years old, what her husband, now husband, um, had done to him. But she didn't believe him. And it really hurt him. And I think he carried a whole lot of hurt after that. But he wasn't able to stay in the program because of his addiction. It kept getting in the way. And like most people who are addicted to drugs, it keeps them from feeling the pain and the hurt and the confusion And in Jody's case, it was the hurt and the confusion and the pain and the abuse since he was six years old. Now, no one knows where he is or if he is still alive. But there's a lot of Jody's out there. So. This concludes the story of the day. And I want you guys to know that this was a variation of a few a few clients that I've had over the years there are so many stories that I heard and one thing that remains true that you don't run away because they are bad not all you you know um there's usually always something that gets to them it may not always be about molestation it may not always be Um, about you know something new that comes into their lives but there's anger and there's things and if a youth is left in the streets long enough it often does lead to sexual survival it is the oldest and the easiest thing to get into to gain money to survive now from the interview to the story of the day we've heard how neglect of young people become a source of trauma now in the next segment called the breakdown, I'm going to explain this a little bit more therapeutically, and I hope that I get some callers to call in to conversate with me. That number again is 888-346-9141. So I hope you call in after the commercial break. Because there are a lot of stories like Miss Anonymous and Jody. More than we would like to admit. But when you see young people in the streets, when you hear these stories on the news, don't shake your head and continue to look at them as if they are a problem. They are not the problem. They are victims that grow up to continue to be victimized because survival becomes a norm through sexual deeds. And not just sexual deeds, even though this show is about sex for survival, there are other There are other things that young people end up getting into, too, because of neglect. And I don't think that parents always mean to neglect their kids. Um, And we'll talk about that a little bit more. I think that sometimes people just have hard times. I would like to think that there's somebody out there that possibly can share some more insight So I'm going to ask again that somebody calls in. Um, One of the things that I think sticks out to me from a lot of people is that they have these experiences in the churches. And that is supposed to be a safe place. It's kind of why a lot of people, um, a lot of young people today, they don't turn to churches. You know, Even you even heard Miss Anonymous talk about to her advice to people is to go and seek help. But where where is the help at? I'm just wondering. You know, um, we find ourselves so busy in families and things that we don't listen to our young people when they're going through things. We just look at the the actions or the behaviors and it's like oh they're just bad oh they just don't want to listen oh there's just so many things because even in the story of Jody Jody didn't have a clue of what was going on he was very confused about things I remember um, one of the clients, because again, this is kind of a mixture of stuff and I added some fiction, but the, just the part about not wanting to hurt anymore. that's very true. And I hear that all the time from clients that, you know, it's like the pain. When they become addicted to drugs, they want to get rid of the pain. And at one point, or sometimes you would think that that's more of a physical thing, but it's not. It's emotional hurt. Emotional hurt is f- way more detrimental than anything. Why? Because you tend to carry it with you. You tend to, you know, just like we were talking about with Miss Anonymous, is that it becomes PTSD. It becomes a part of just your everyday to where now, just like she said, she looks at men. What does she say? She That men make her skin crawl. Who wants to go through life like that? You know, I really just want you guys to think about these things because, you know... I've had so many clients where, you know, their young person is running away. There's a reason. It may not be as serious as the things that we talked about today, but there's still a reason. Some kind of way, because our young people don't just grow up and arbitrarily just be like, oh, I guess I'm going to run away. There's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. Um they they really don't um, just wake up and say, I'm going to run away. And sometimes it's just a matter of learning how to communicate with your young people, um, with your kids. All kids are different. You, you know, sometimes people have more than one kid and they try to treat them differently. Not differently, <laughs> I'm sorry. They try to treat them the same And you can't treat all your kids the same because every child is born with a unique gift or a, um, you know, something that is unique about them. And it's really up to us to find out whether or not they are getting everything that they need. And so emotionally, you would give one child something a little different. And what I found out is that, In a lot of families, some people don't know how to balance that because they have, like, work, and they may have two, three, four kids, and you may have one that needs a whole lot of attention, and that's the one that's acting up the most. And then the one over here that's quiet, that's getting straight A's, they get neglected because nobody's giving them attention. And they go out, and they work really hard, and they get all these A's, and they're, you know, playing sports, and the president of this... And nobody's paying them attention. Nobody even says, oh, good job. And there are even young people like that. They end up going to college and end up in the sex industry, too. Or they end up on drugs. Why? Because they didn't get their emotional needs met. Miss Anonymous said that, you know, she didn't get the I love yous or the birthday parties and the things like that. It's very important that we pay attention to these types of things. But sometimes I think people just don't pay attention to it because of, you know, they didn't get their needs met and they're still trying to figure things out. And what happens a lot of time is that young people, they think that their parents are supposed to have all the answers and we think we're supposed to give it to them. But that's not what really always happens. And so it's it's really crazy you know from day to day you'll hear stories like miss anonymous you'll see things on the news you can go down the street and you can see people young people walking and having uh having uh jobs and not jobs book bags is what i'm thinking about and um Oh, okay. We have a caller. We have a caller. Miss Donna. Miss Donna. Miss Donna, are you there?
3: I'm here.
1: Hey, Miss Donna. How are you? I'm
3: my wife. How you doing, Miss Mitch?
1: I'm good. I'm good. We were talking about how young people run away. Uh, I'm guessing you have some... Oh, I
3: was (laughs) listening.
1: I guess you have some insight. I
3: already know. I already know, so, you know. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. What you want to add?
3: I mean... What do you mean? What I want to ask? I mean, everything you're saying is right. I mean, mm-hmm. what? What was the? I mean, what about? Do you want to ask I me? guess
1: about young people. Like, what do you know about when why young people run away? Well, I don't know
3: the reason why young people young people as a whole run away, but I do know the reason why I ran away. It's mm-hmm. because I had problems and I had no options. Nobody to turn to. Nobody to talk to. You mm-hmm. know, nobody would listen or. Was there even anything that could be done about it? We live in a broken world with a broken system. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! The- nobody.
1: <laughs> and it's funny you even bring up the system because yeah, uh, if you heard Miss Anonymous, she was saying call Family and Children Services, but Family and Children tri- Services today is not like for before.
3: what. Those are those are some of the true pedophiles that break the system. They're they're criminals, pedophiles, and everything else.
1: Uh-huh, Why you think I mean, defense custody? <laughs> how old are you, Ms. Dunn? They would rather
3: be at home sometimes in defense. I
1: know. How, how old are you,
3: though? I'll, I'll be 45 in June.
1: 45. Okay, so when when you were dealing with those things back then, you had a lot of other types of experiences with ch- with services, children's services, right? Well,
3: um, actually, just real quick, my mother who was on drugs and had mental health issues. In the 70s, it was a crime and shame for a black... If you were considered to be poor white trash, to have a baby by a black man. You were ostracized by your community, your family, and everything. Mm -hmm. And she had mental health issues as well. And she left me, abandoned me, and the people she left me with. I was physically, mentally abused, verbally abused, sexually abused. I was used as a workhorse, you know, and I wasn't given the everyday necessities that a, a female girl needed to be able to just live a a a, a somewhat normal life. So the mm-hmm. first chance that I could spell
1: A-B-L-E, I, I, I left. <laughs> right, right, right. And then even when you were in the system, I, I remember you were saying, even when you I was in now? the system, that they even tried to abuse you back then. Oh, um,
3: in, in reality, um, my dad had a girlfriend that was in the service. They knew what I was going through because she witnessed the abuse. And I had called her and told her I can't take it anymore. You know, i am mm-hmm. fix to go, And she wanted to help me, and she actually tried to come and help me, but if she would have, you know, she would get scared to get in trouble with the police. So she did the only thing she could was call the police. And they, treat, they got me in there and tricked me and said, Do you want to go back? And I said, No, I don't never want to go back. They took pictures of the boozers, they took my statements down. And when my time was up at the emergency shelter, even before it was up, the staff was trying to have sex with me. Mm hmm. And they were already having sex with the other girls, boys, and in the daytime, we had to babysit the babies that were in the emergency shelter. And we didn't oh. have no kids. Oh wow. So when and this I was an emergency the shelter from from for Houston, kids that were abused? Yes, yeah, they were in the shelter with us. And wow. and even the, the older kids that was in custody would be molesting the younger girls and kids. So I live in Georgia. So when I jumped that fence from Oak Hill Group Home onto Stewart Avenue, and the man said, "Hey, I give you one hundred and fifty bucks for five minutes."
1: Wow, that's was crazy! To give me no how old I were I had
3: you? To a hotel room, something to eat, warm uh-huh. for the night. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. How old were you then? Um,
3: I, at that time, I believe I was. Close to 14 at that time, but I was, um, the summer of my seventh grade or eighth grade of high school, so I would have been around 13, close to 14, 12, in between
1: that time. Well, hold that thought, um, I think we're getting ready to go to another break. Can you stay around for the next segment a little bit?
3: Uh Uh-huh, I'll be here.
1: Okay, so I I want you guys, this is very interesting. I think that we have somebody that can call in from a different perspective. I don't think people realize the things that go on um, or that went on because that says a lot about just, you know, even to today. You're talking about kids back in the, you know, early 80s that experienced these things that actually have kids now. And having to deal with all of that PTSD, and you know, not not being able to trust people. So um, we're getting ready for the next break. So just hold on, and we will come back to do the breakdown of the show. See y'all in a few.
4: It's your world motivate change succeed voice america reconciliation
0: movement is a non-profit 501 c3 charitable organization it helps youth and families with education and community resources promoting self-awareness mental health and drug and alcohol recovery Reconciliation needs help with providing these resources for youth and families. Reconciliation accepts and is in need of donations and professional services to no and low income families to prepare them for independence through health and education. Visit the reconciliationmovement.org Victoriously Speaking has over 20 years of experience in human services. She is a licensed professional counselor, a motivational speaker, writer, performer, and community advocate. Book Victoriously Speaking for your next event or take advantage of the workshop she has to offer. Victoriously Speaking is all about teaching life and learning to live independently for excellence, free from fear, anger, and our doubt. For more information on these programs or to book Victoriously Speaking, call 404 404- Nine six nine five six six one. That's four zero four nine six nine five six six one.
5: Hearts to Nourish Hope has been a leader in Clayton County for over 22 years. As a nonprofit. our goal is to expand and continue to be a one-stop community resource center that equips youth with the tools they need to achieve their goals. From our education and career training programs to our youth-operated food pantry, all of Hearts programs are designed to empower participants to improve the lives of their families and the community. Would you like to volunteer or need more information on how to participate? Please visit hearts to nourish hope.org.
4: Build your better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate, change, succeed. Today, it's it. Everywhere I go, trouble chasing me
0: You are listening to Life Radio. To reach our show today, call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at movement.org. Now, back to Life Radio. Here again is Victoriously Speaking.
1: Welcome back. Welcome back. We are back now to the breakdown of the show where we really want to talk about solutions instead of all the various things. And I asked Miss Donna to stay on the show. Uh, Miss Donna, are you still there? I'm here. Okay, okay. And I know before the break you were, uh, well after the break, or during the break I should say, you were telling me some things that probably should happen. Um, what What do you think are some of the solutions based on your life experiences?
3: I think education is one because you got to have good parents and they got to be educated. They're going out here having these babies out of wedlock before it's time. You know, if you don't bring a baby to the world, it needs to have good parents to care about their education, their future. Their mental health, their physical health, their overall well-being, and it's gonna do their job because if not, their child is almost destined to fail.
1: Yeah, I think that's a big key um, education. Sometimes I think though too, you know what comes along with trauma and things is sometimes that people get real prideful and they they become kind of unteachable. They don't want to hear nothing, you know.
3: (laughs) I mean, well. Sometimes you people feel like some things are hopeless. It don't matter what you say or do; ain't nothing gonna change it, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> so what they feel like, that? "Well, hey, it don't it don't matter." Just, just, just they do what they do best. They adapt and keep it moving, mm-hmm. cause that's what's best for them at the time. But does it fix the problem? No. Yeah, that's true.
1: What What made you change your life?
3: i wanted to change i wanted to be different i didn't want my kids to have to go through the same things that i went through Mm -hmm. you know i didn't never want not on my not while i was responsible you Mm -hmm. know it was was hard but i made it through i've been blessed Mm -hmm.
1: now did you do that through like counseling and things like that
3: yeah, and it took a lot of getting to understand the way that life works, the way that mental health works, the way, you know, that I work, you know, and and, and what is wrong and what is right and, you know, just living life, you know. You live and you learn. Yeah, yeah. And I
1: think, you know... You, experiences will either make or break you. It just depends on how you react to things or how you look at things. I, I kind of always try to tell people, you know, it's kind of like looking at the glass half empty or half full. And
3: um, Yeah, it's almost like the art of survival, really, if you look at it through all these various bad, catastrophic things that's going on in the world. People are down. And they're all, everybody adapts to things in all different ways. Some healthy, some not. Some, a lot of them unhealthy, but they have to adapt in order to go on. You know what I'm saying? They do whatever they have to do to mm-hmm. get it back right and keep it moving. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't, you die. You 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 don't exist. I mean, you know. Right. Wow.
1: Well, I want to thank you for calling in. We're going to continue All right. right. now. And, um, thanks for sharing your story. I really appreciate you. Alright. Alright. Take care. I will see you
3: later.
1: Bye-bye. Alright. So, yeah, that's, you know, I think it's interesting that we hear from somebody um, who's my age <laughs> that, you know, how things were back then because I remember growing up, um, there was a guy, he was really big guy. So he dressed like a woman. And I remember he, he, he actually used to prostitute as well. And I remember him telling me his story and he was telling me how, um, when he was young, his parents would dress him up like a girl because they wanted a girl. And so here it was this man, um, and I'm not gonna say his name, but you know, he went by a female name, his parents he would get sent home from school because uh, you know he was dressed like a girl now he was older than me because at that time I was in high school I think he had to been in his mid to late 20s and so when you think about the things that went on a long time ago and how this this young man was so confused you know that he basically started identifying as a female And he went through a lot. You know, when I was younger, I was kind of the neighborhood counselor. Everybody talked to me. I'm talking, you know, people's parents. Um, I remember coming up different gangs on different sides. Um, I helped other females that went through some things. I would always ask my mom, could they come stay and all these various things. But it was like. You had all these questions because you just didn't understand it. And I don't know, you know, when I look at purpose, when I look at just the things that went on and how I grew up, I know that I had to experience and see these things. But here's this young man that back then, children's services wasn't really, you know, the thing to do. Everybody handled things in their family. It was always... You know, we don't we don't talk to people. We handle this. And the crazy thing about it is nobody was handling anything. Basically, what was going on is that you had a whole lot of family secrets and which is uh, one of the series that we're going to start in a couple weeks. And now you have these young people growing up. They're confused. They don't know how to communicate. They don't know why they feel the way they do. And so this particular guy, you know, I don't know what happened to him, but I I do remember him saying how he struggled with his spirituality, his relationship with God, because he did not understand why his life was the way that it was. And I used to question, and I remember going to school, I would question, um, not going to school, but going to church. Like, you know, people always say, well, you know, right from wrong, or there's an age of accountability. But I, I feel like there's a certain type of conditioning that happens when you're a young person, because kind of like Miss Donna just said, is that you you don't really look at, oh, let me find help. You kind of just adapt. And I tell you, I, I've i always been a, a adaptable type person. I used to say I was a chameleon for moving and just being in different communities and things, having to go to different schools. And people do, they adapt, but they do not always adapt in a healthy way. And so if I had to go back to Miss Anonymous story to break that down, I would tell you that, you know. There are parents out there who parent the way they were parented either because they were abused themselves or some kind of way they lost something emotionally. And so the way they cope or the way they ended up handling and adapting to their situation was the behaviors that you get. So, whether you have a mother, like, from the first show that was stripping, was never home, so her daughter ended up getting touched by the guy that she had in her life. You know, she thinks, okay, well, I gotta make this money. Or we get to people like uh, the story of Jody, to where he just didn't know what was going on. He He just wanted a daddy. And here comes this, you know... Um, man that pretended to be a father figure but hurted him, and then even when he got old enough to where he was tired and tried to talk to his mother, she didn't believe him. See, a lot of this is about listening and paying attention. You know, there are always signs that there's something going on with your children if your child is a happy person one day and all of a sudden they're no longer happy. There's something wrong. If a child is coming to school in the, in the, in the summertime, but they're always wearing long sleeves and covered up, there's something to question. See there, we try not to pay attention to these things because nobody wants to step in and nobody wants to do anything. But, you know, I feel like we're reverting back to those times because just like Ms. Donna said, you know, back then, Children's Services was so different. There was a lot of perpetrators in the system that also hurt these youth, even though they came out of hurtful types of situations. But today, I'm not saying that Family and Children's Services is any better, but it's better than what it was then. There are still people in these um, programs and things that exploit and take advantage of the children. I'd like to think and I would hope that families just get themselves together and start thinking about and looking into getting help. You know when there's something wrong. You know, if you feel like your life is spiraling out of control as a parent, you would really have to look at what you're doing to your children. And like Miss Donna said, there are people out there. There's education, there's parenting, there's all these various things. And so I would like to think that by listening to this, on so many different sides. There's an organization called NAMI, National Alliance of Mental Illness. There are so many things you could Google to get help. There's United Way. You can be anywhere and dial 211 in the United States and get help for things. Now, if some for some reason you call these places and they don't give you help right away, or you get into a situation where it seems like they're not helping. That means you have to keep trying. Do not give up. Nobody's really going to take care of you but you. And this is why I don't, I don't really, you know, I don't judge nobody. I don't judge nobody for doing what they have to do. Because what I realize in this work is that you either have it or you don't. And what I'm talking about is money survival you cannot survive without money and when you have a child that's left out there that's neglected that you know don't have family that's positive that can help them get to that next level you know if you know people if there's people in your family don't just turn don't just turn the blind side there are places and organizations you just have to find them don't give up on these youth because Like the other young lady said, it's hard to get out of it. And not only that, it damages them. And then they have children. Everybody's not like Miss Donna. See, she had children and said, oh, I'm going to do something different. And she had to fight, you know, herself too. And had to fight to learn how to, you know, block the thoughts that come to mind because of the things that she experienced as a young child. And so I think it's important just from the stories of today to know that there's help out there. Don't just run away and think that your way is good because your way may lead you into a road that you can't come back from. And it's getting more and more dangerous out there. More and more. So I hope that whoever listened today that you got something out of not only Miss Anonymous story, not only the story of today, but also from our caller who called in and told her story. Don't judge what you don't understand. I talked about Nami. Let's see, what else? And the United Way, 211. 211 is like the nine one one for social services. So always kind of remember those things. So I hope that everything was uh I got thrown off today. So <laughs> wanted to give a shout out to some people. Go Make sure you go onto Facebook and go onto my page. I got some people that I want you to check out. I'll see you next week.
0: Thank you for making Life Radio an important part of your evening. Please join Victoriously Speaking, also known as Nicole Benton, Licensed Professional Counselor, for another edition of the program next Monday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Here's to living independently for excellence.